Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we are studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of John. Today is episode 124. We're looking at John chapter 8, verses 48 through 59. Let's read the passage together. The Jews responded to him, Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? I do not have a demon, Jesus answered. On the contrary, I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and judges. Truly I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Then the Jews said, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Who do you claim to be? If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My Father, about whom you say, He is our God, He is the one who glorifies me. You do not know Him, but I know Him. If I were to say I don't know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews replied, You aren't fifty years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. Well, this finishes off chapter 8, the section where Jesus is in the temple following the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus has been, well, giving them some hard things to, to hear. And he just told them, the key was to, to listen to his words. They weren't listening to his words. They weren't hearing him. That's because they were not from God. So now here, verse 48, the Jews respond. Aren't we right in saying you're a Samaritan? This is just an insult. You, you must be a Samaritan. Why would they say that? They know Jesus from Galilee. Well, maybe they're linking the two together. They do look down on people from Galilee to a certain extent. But maybe they're challenging him about being a Samaritan because in their view he is very lax about following the religious rules much like those Samaritans are they just don't follow the rules that you're supposed to follow so they're they're just insulting him and calling him a Samaritan they also say and you have a demon so you're not just a Samaritan but you have a demon and likely this is because of the big claims he is making about the key to have eternal life is to believe in him, and the measure of being a true believer is to follow his words, to keep his words, to do what he says to do. Now, Jesus doesn't respond to the Samaritan claim because well, that's not a big insult to him, so he just seems to let that go. But he does respond to the demon comment in verse 49. He says, I do not have a demon. On the contrary, I honor my father and you dishonor me. So how could someone with a demon honor God? The answer is they couldn't. They wouldn't. Just the fact that he honors the Father shows he doesn't have a demon. However, the jury's still out about them because they dishonor him. He who is the Son of God, they dishonor. Now he says in verse 50, he says, I do not seek my own glory. And he doesn't. He seeks glory for the Father. He doesn't seek his own glory. And then he says, there is one who seeks it and judges. He's speaking about God here, about the Father. I often 
point this out, the whole point of the glory of God. It, uh, in our mindset, to, to seek one's own glory is to be egocentric, grandiose, uh, a little too full of himself, and that's all true. But for God to seek his own glory is very different, very different, because is the glory of God a good thing? Well, yes. Is God perfect? Absolutely. So for God to be seeking his own glory is to be seeking that which is good, that which is appropriate. So that's something for us to to celebrate and rejoice and participate in, that we can bring glory to the Father. So he's speaking of God here. Then in verse 51, truly I tell you, this is his big statement here, uh, pay attention, amen, amen, I say to you. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. This is a big statement. And whenever he says, truly I tell you, that's a signal to pay attention. There's something important about to be said. And, and this goes back to verse 31, where he said that if you continue in my word, you are really my disciple. Here it's saying the same thing, basically. Anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The, the key to never see death earlier was believe. Well, then he added that definition to believe in that those who truly believe are the ones who abide in my word. Here he says, keeps my word. So those who keep my word, that's the proof that they are true believers. And because of that, they will never see death. Well, this annoys the Jews. So they say in verse 52, now we know you have a demon because in their mind, this is this is bizarre claims that he is making. They say, Abraham died, and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you claim to be? Well, to them, the greatest people who've ever come were Abraham, Moses, the other prophets. And that's true. Those were uh, great men used mightily by God in incredible ways. They all died. And so for Jesus to be saying, anybody who keeps my word will never die. All the greats have died. How can somebody not die? Just who do you think you are? Then Jesus gets back to this idea about bringing glory to himself. He says, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. My father, about whom you say he is our God, he is the one who glorifies me. So Jesus says that uh, you know, he's not seeking his own glory. He's not bringing glory upon himself. But that's not to say it's not deserved. The glory brought to Jesus comes from the Father. A little contrast here. He, he calls him my Father and says, the one you say he is our God. There's a little twist there. The implication is you say he is our God, but as he's kind of, uh, well, not just kind of insinuating, he's downright saying he isn't really your God because you guys don't know him. And, and that's what he says uh, in verse 55. You do not know him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I'd be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. So, he says, uh, yeah, I do know him. For me to say I don't know him, I'd be lying. Poke in the eye there, a liar like you. Because they're saying they do know God, but they really don't. So they are the liars claiming to know God when they really don't know God. 
Now, verse 56 is curious, uh, causes some trouble for some people. It says, your, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. So what does this mean? Is Abraham in heaven watching all this and applauding? Some people think that's, that's what it means. But there's just some questions here. What does this mean? Often when we refer to the day of the Lord, we're referring to his second coming. But here... I think the, the context clearly says he's just referring to the incarnation. It is the coming of uh, Christ to put on the flesh of humanity and live amongst us. So my day being at that time. So Abraham rejoiced and was glad. I think the best explanation for this is going back to the promise that God made to Abraham. When God called Abraham to have this relationship with him and to be the father of the people of God. There was this promise in Genesis 12:3 that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I think that's what he's referring to. Well, we often look at this and say this is looking eventually to Jesus, that Jesus as a descendant of Abraham will be the blessing for all people, will be the savior for all people, will be the one who brings forgiveness of sin to all people. And because of that, that's how all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. And Abraham rejoiced in that. He saw it and was glad. Well, they think he's referring to him having interacted with Abraham. They say, you aren't 50 years old yet. You've seen Abraham. How are you going to respond to this? Jesus gives them the big response here in verse 58. Jesus says, truly I tell you, so here's another one of these, amen, amen, I say to you, pay attention. This is important, and this is important. Before Abraham was, I am. So before the the verb translated was, was came into being. He's saying before Abraham, some translations say before Abraham was born, before Abraham came into being, before Abraham was, it all means the same thing. Prior to Abraham, I am. Now, we say that uh, grammatically, I don't know that works. Well, theologically, it works. This is looking back to Exodus when God called Moses at the burning bush. And God says, Moses, I'm sending you to Egypt to lead my people out of slavery. And Moses says, who am I going to tell them sent me? And God's response was, tell them, I am sent you. And I am, it comes from the Hebrew, Yahweh, meaning I am who I am. I am the self-existent one, just I am. I didn't come from any place. I wasn't born to anyone. I am. And that is the sacred name of God, Yahweh, the self-sufficient one. In fact, so, so sacred that uh, good Jews wouldn't even say it. Even now, when you see uh, Jewish writings, it's always G underscore D. God is too sacred to even write completely. And, and we know that's what he meant because of their response. Verse 59, so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. This was so shocking to that they're going to kill him on the spot because he has said, I am before Abraham existed, I was the self-existent one. That's his, it's a claim of deity, a claim of, of being God. 
their outrage at this that they're going to kill him show they understood what he bent they understood what he said and they're going to kill him right there in the temple so they pick up stones to throw at him it says jesus was hidden it doesn't say jesus slipped away it doesn't say jesus hid himself it just says jesus was hidden notice that's a passive voice somebody else was doing the action here obviously it's god the father he was hidden by an action of God. In, in what form? We don't know. But God did something supernaturally to conceal Jesus. Then it says, and he went out of the temple. Now, there could be some symbology here. This is the kind of stuff John does. He, be careful, because he doesn't blatantly say it. But John uses these little plays on words, these double meanings. And uh, just like when Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, it's a dark world. And Jesus has come to be the light of the world into a dark world. Here he leaves the temple. They've rejected him at the temple. He's leaving the temple to go to the people. Is this symbolic of Jesus abandoning the religious people? Maybe. John likes that kind of talk. This wraps up the, the section of Jesus at the temple. He's made bold claims here. He has said that he is the source of eternal life, that the the way to avoid death and have eternal life is to believe in him. But then he qualified that. True belief means you continue in my word. You abide in my word. You keep my word. That's the mark of a true believer. It's not just saying certain certain words, praying a certain prayer. It's a matter of then actually doing what Jesus said to do. These are bold claims, and that's a good thing because we serve a powerful God. And Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God the Son. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. And For him to say, before Abraham was, I am, that's his claim to deity. Some say Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, right here it is. And they recognized that and tried to kill him because of it. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of John.